Today I want to talk about something. If you're searching for the U version, you can look up. Um, have you ever uh, ever feel like giving up? Is the title of this? Have you ever felt like giving up? And I want to ask you that. Just just think about this. Have you ever felt like giving up? Like the circumstances were too hard, or the uphill it just looked like too much of an uphill climb, or you were beginning to get very discouraged. And we can be we can begin talking in so many different realms. But there's been times in my life I've felt like giving up, and I knew that giving up was the wrong thing to do. But man, I just wanted to give up. You ever been there? It just got hard. Well, today that's what we're going to talk about. And, and let me give you the answer to that. Don't. Don't. So that's where we're going, okay? Have you ever felt like giving up? Don't. It sounded kind of weird when I said it like that, huh? Don't. We'll stop. I'll move on. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. We're going to, we're going to detour a little bit as we start getting into the Christmas break here and, and the holidays and stuff. We're going to kind of have standalone weeks for the next couple weeks. We're not going to grab a, a passage in the Bible and walk through it. We're going to have some standalone passages. But each of these passages that we've cho- chosen are, are leading up to something that, that is so incredible, which is the birth of Jesus Christ. The whole re- reason of Christmas and the hope and everything. So today we want to read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I want to read it out of a, the message translation just because I thought this was way cool and I like the words that it, that it said here. So if you're following along in a different version, you kind of have to piece it together in your mind. But this is what it says, okay? My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received... Christ Jesus, the Master, now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your life spill over into thanksgiving. I really like that last part. Let your life spill over into thanksgiving. Now, what does this have to do with with giving up? I want to kind of go through this and pick some of this apart. And and maybe we can dissect it a little bit. And my prayer is that God will be teaching you some stuff as we go through this. We start out and it says this. "My My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've already been given. As the message translation says, given. We, we know what given's all about. We know what it means to give something, don't we? And even if we have to think about it in reverse order, we know what it is to receive something, don't we? How many of you like to receive stuff? Oh, come on. Are we, are, are we here? How many of you like to receive stuff? Okay, and for those of you that are better than me, how many of you like to give stuff? Okay, okay, all right. We're going to get everyone interacting here a little bit, okay? Given, especially as Americans, we know what this means. We've been given a lot. Some things have been given to us, like even our freedom, okay? We've had people go before us and fight for freedom and continue to fight for freedom. We are given stuff every single day. I don't think it's hard for any of us to get the concept of what it means to be given something. Especially as we move into the Christmas season and presents and all that. We understand what given means. But do we truly understand what it means? As, as the message is saying here, my counsel for you is simply and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. Jesus has moved 
through all of time and all of space. And He has you in mind. Jesus looked through all of time and He looks at you and He says, I have you in mind. I've created the world and I have you in mind. And when I created you, I have had um, things planned for your life from the beginning of time. I, when I created you, Jesus says this, when I have created you, I have given you part of me. Do you deserve it? No. Do I love you? Yes. Have I created you for something very special? Yes. I love you. And I have chosen to give you life. What does that do to the inside of you? When I think of Jesus at the very core has chosen to give me life, and then beyond that, He has chosen to give me talents and abilities and my looks and all this other stuff, okay? I do that every time. It gets me a little laugh when I say something about my looks. But <laughs> He's chosen to give us so many blessings. We just came through Thanksgiving. Hopefully you took the time to think about that. And all the blessings, as minute or as grandeur as they may be, that's in our life. We've got so much to be thankful for. God has given us so much. I'm kind of an old romantic at times. I kind of go in and out of this, okay? I, I, I like to picture an old castle. And I think of like the Cinderella story, right? Think back, you know, Disney. That was Disney, right? Think back on the Cinderella story and think about that castle. And think about us as common people. We're just common. You know, our clothes are all gray. We're washing the floor, doing all this stuff. And up pulls a king and a chariot. The most gorgeous thing we've ever seen. We've only heard about it. We've never actually seen the palace or, you know, with our own eyes. We've only heard about it. People that have passed by or they do business there or whatever. And, and, and lo and behold, in our, in our little house, this, this chariot pulls up. Big stallions pulling it. Out comes the king. And he says, Hey, I finally found you. Come with me. I want to show you something. And you're blown away. You're like, what? He says, get in. I want to show you something. And, and you get in, and, and immediately he gives you grapes, because I love grapes. And he probably gives you corn candy, because I love corn candy as well. And, and he starts taking you, and he takes you all the way to the castle, and you see it from far off, and, and you're pulling up, and you're like, is this Disneyland? I mean, you're just, you're blown away. You've never seen something like this. And in you come through the gate and, 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 and you come in and it's just the, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And he smiles and he says, you've been lost for so long and I finally found you. And you're going, what? And he goes, yeah, I, you know what? I want to adopt you. I want you to come in here. I want to give you the best clothes. I want you to, to eat the best food. And, and all this is created for you. And I want you to be with me in my presence. What does this do in this, in this fairy tale of our mind? If you think about a king coming and rescuing you from just the gray drum of life and bringing you into the palace and saying, all of this is for you and I want you to be with me. That should put a smile on your face. He says, feast with me at my table. Dress as royalty. Do you deserve it? No. Have I chose to grant it to you? Yes. And I want you to walk in my love and experience all of this. As Christians, it's easy to overlook that as we grow up, as we begin to learn more theology and 
begin to be very professional about coming to church and living good old lives, it's easy to forget at the core of everything, God gave us life. And God adopted us into His family. He pulled us from despair and placed us in His presence at the table, feasting. Don't overlook that. It's easy to. But we can't lose that. Because that's the gospel at the purest form. When you needed love, He was there. And He loves you. And continues to do so. He rescues you from the dark places. So as we read, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. It's yours for free. You received Christ Jesus, the Master. Now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School is out. Quit studying the subject and start living it and let your living spill over into thanksgiving. All the tenses here is you've already got it. Not you will get it. Not it's coming in the future. You've already got it. You've already got life. You've already got Jesus. Are you asleep? I think this passage here is crying out in its essence. Wake up. Don't be asleep. There's so much joy, so much love. When God has gifted you with life, and He's gifted you with talent, and you start running forward, Satan is going to try, come, and he's going to try to distract you, and he's going to say, give up. But we can't give up, because we know the King. And we know what He's done for our life. Do you ever feel like giving up? Don't give up. In Mark, there's a cool, cool thing that happens. The first 18 verses. Jesus shows up on the scene. He's kind of famous at this point. There's a man who's been possessed with demons. All the people in the area say, He's too crazy for us. They cast him out to the graveyard. Say, get away from us. This man is so obsessed and possessed that he cuts himself. He rips his skin. He pulls his hair. He breaks chains. No one can control him. Well, Jesus shows up, and from afar, this, this man sees Jesus coming, and the man runs up and falls at Jesus' feet and says, What do you want with me? Jesus looks at this man and says, Who are you? The man says, We are legion. He's so possessed. A legion, I don't know how, how many demons were possessed in this man, but a legion in Roman terms is 5,000 men at least. So maybe 5,000 demons are in this man. Who knows? But all we know is there's many demons in this man. Jesus says, who are you? He says, we are legion, many. And Jesus says, demons leave. The demons then go to a group of pigs, and the pigs run off a cliff and, and, and you know, commit suicide in the water. And, and the man is set free from this. The people of the town hear about this miracle and they're so scared. They once were scared of the man possessed of demons, but now they're scared of the man that got rid of the demons and they ask Jesus, Jesus, please leave this area. Please leave this area. Because we don't understand this. We can't, we can't comprehend this. Well, the man, he, he comes to Jesus when they ask him to leave and he says, can I please go with you? He begs with Jesus. You set me free. 
Like, I was possessed by many. I was ripping my skin. I was breaking chains. I was down. I was out. And you came and set me free. So he comes to Jesus and begins to beg to Jesus, let me go with you. Let me go with you. And Jesus says something to them, him, that resonates through all time to us today. And he says this, I'm going away. And you can't go with me. But you know that love that you've experienced? That thing that I've set you free from? I want you to go back and I want you to tell your family and I want you to tell your friends about this. And I imagine it was with tears this man understood. And he walked away from Jesus to go tell his family and his friends about this miracle that had happened. They saw it in his life. This is the point where we inject today, okay? We were just healed. Jesus said, go, tell your family and friends. And as we're walking away, Satan starts to walk with us. He starts to whisper to us, no one's going to believe you. This thing is too hard. The dream that God's given you, give up on it. (laughs) You can't do that. He begins to whisper lies to us. He begins to say things that, that make us discount even what happened. Or, or to not give credit to Jesus. Or to start to doubt all this stuff. Satan is tricky. And when we're walking away and we're going on this mission that God's given us, Satan is going to come there and he's going to try to destroy us. But the fact is this, and let's hold on to this, okay? We have seen the face of Jesus and we are set free. So when Satan comes and he says, give up. We say, we will not give up. We've been given a great, great thing. And we are going to root deeply in Him. And we will tell anyone and everyone about the love of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Church Project. This right here, this little gathering, this thing that we've organized. When you come in the building right there on the wall, or you've been on the website, there's all these, you know, our structure and and who we are and our purpose and all this stuff. I want to walk through one of these, okay? Why do we exist? Church project, why do we exist? We exist to make disciples. We exist to meet needs. And we exist to grow churches. Can we put that purpose statement in, in just a little easier way to understand, maybe? Okay? We exist to make disciples. In other words, we exist to inspire advocates of the gospel. Because if we, you and I, grasp what God has done in our life, we can't help but go tell people. We suddenly are advocates of the gospel. Our workplaces our schools, our families, everywhere that we go, we're thinking, how can we show and tell everyone we meet about the love of Jesus Christ? So, we exist to make disciples. In other words, inspire advocates of the gospel. We also um, exist to meet needs. Oh, there's needs all around us. Would you agree there's needs all around us? Let's put it in in other words, okay? I don't know if this is actually a, a, a word. I've stole it from Jared, but it's this. Be good livers. I don't mean like a liver, but be good. Be good. I don't even know where your liver is. I think I planted my kidney. Be, be good livers. Live a good life. 
If you're living a life that's in love with God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to begin meeting needs everywhere you go. You can't help it. People are going to look at you and they're going to say, something's different about their life. Don't really get it. They're generous. They, they, they love. They meet needs. They, I mean, there's just something different about them. They smile. It's amazing what a smile will do nowadays. So, we exist to make disciples or inspire advocates of the gospel. We exist to meet needs or to be good livers. And, and the third one is we exist to grow churches. I like, I like the example of this one. Here, here, here it is in simple words. Repeat the process. Repeat the process. We're around to inspire advocates of the gospel to live that out and to repeat the process. Over and over again, wherever we go, this should be our life. In other words, Aaron Havens wakes up. He's so in love with God that he studies and he reads and, and, and he walks and he lives and he falls in love with God and, and he understands that God loves him. And, and, and so he goes wherever he goes, to the gym or to the gas station, wherever I go during the day, or washing windows, whatever it may be. And, and people, hopefully, they get to see the love of God in me and, and they say something's different about them. And, 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 and they say, I want to start walking with Aaron or Jesus. Who, and, and, and then it, it starts over and now they, they go and they wake up and they understand the love of God. And it's this process that is just, we are in love with God and we can't help it. I want to kind of jump ahead to, to something here to, to wrap this up, okay? When Jesus healed the man that was possessed, He said, go home and tell him. Of all, all the good news that, you, that have just happened in your life. He begins to go. And that's when the real work begins. That's when life gets hard and dirty. And that's when Satan throws all sorts of stuff at him and us. When you're alive, this is a fact. God has gifted you. He's put talents and abilities in every single one of you. And in myself included. And He says, I love you. Experience that love. These dreams, this vocation, this whatever it is we do, our day in and day out, seek Me. Stay in love with Me. And when Satan comes to distract you, tell him to get away. Tell him to stop. And when things are stolen from you and lies are placed in your head, say, that's not from God. Because the God in Psalm 66 says, we went through the fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. And everything that we do, we should be seeking after Christ. And when life gets hard, we should hold on to Christ. And when Satan comes and starts to deceive us, we stand firm because we know we've walked through this. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what brought you here. I don't know what's happened in your life from birth to today. I don't know the excitements. I don't know the frustrations. I don't know your experiences. I don't know how many church services you've been to. 
I don't know what your family looks like. I don't know your great achievements or, or your great disappointments. I don't know all that. But what I do know is the most important thing. And it's the simplest thing. I've been given a love that I didn't deserve. You have been given a love that you don't deserve. Because God in His graciousness has looked at you and smiled. And He said, Get in the chariot. Come to my palace. Wear these clothes. Eat this food. Be in my presence. If you would, just close your eyes and, and uh, think about this as I read Colossians 2, 6-7. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the Master. Now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your life spill over into thanksgiving.